All right, time for a special Tennessee Titans talk. The big fella and I are in traffic, heading back home to Nashville. And you know what, big fella? I don't even care that we're in traffic. <laughs> I don't care. I, I I hate traffic, but you know what? Today, I love it. We went into enemy territory, and we came up with that W. So we talked a lot um, this whole weekend and today about, you know, the, the better moments uh, in Titans history as a fan. And, of course, we have a signature moment, and we all know about that. And nothing changes um, the miracle until we win a Super Bowl, right? But, big fellow, this is up there. We had two really uh, great moments last year, beating the Patriots at home, beating the Eagles. I think the two big wins in the last uh, three or four seasons over the Chiefs, one in the playoffs, those are good. This is right up there with them uh, for me to go up there. Uh, yeah, Cleveland's not a defending Super Bowl champ, but uh, big fella, you would think they were uh, based on the pageantry and what went on today. It's kind of hard to describe. I think people got a feeling nationally, all Titans fans uh, got a feeling that nationally Cleveland's getting a lot of love, and I thought it was premature. You got to go out and earn the stuff, and uh, they didn't today. That is a talented Browns team, potentially. Um, we're going to talk to you guys about that experience, but just your reaction as far as the Titans going up there, executing very well, and, and winning by 30. You hit the nail right on the head. I've been super excited for, you know, like we talked about the Patriots game last year, the Eagles game last year. This was as big or bigger. I mean, this team came in with a lot of hype, and there are two sides of that. When you have, when you have a team with a lot of hype, it's easy for both teams to get caught up in it. Um, I think we saw the Browns get really caught up in it. I think our Titans did a really good job of of not buying into it. You know, Delaney Walker, he said post game, he's like, "We, they are who we thought they were, they are." Um, you know, they're a talented team, but they're they're buying, they're drinking too much of the Kool Aid. Um, and I, I think we played as close. I mean, obviously, it's not a perfect game, but it was a perfect game plan, and we did a great job executing. Hats off to Arthur Smith and Brable. Um, for getting those boys ready to play. That's a big takeaway from us watching this in person. The feedback that we got from the Browns fans that were sober enough and still there at the end is um, the execution by the coaching staff and the team. Really, uh, like Big Fella said, hats off. Arthur Smith, Dean Pease, Mike Vrabel. That seemed to be the difference. Obviously, players executed the plays, but when every single player to a person does their job, that's a that's a nod to the coaching staff, right, Big Phil? You're darn right, and you know we have lacked that for so long. You know, in years past, it's it's always been one player have a breakout game, but in, I can't remember a time where we played as as good as a team as we did today against a really good opponent. Like let's call them what they are; they're a good opponent. Prior years, we've we've swapped field goals with them to to come out with a victory. So this was they're they're a good team, and they might not they might not have showed everything today, but. But they're going to get it, and they're going to be dangerous down the road. We all watched the game. Really undisciplined game by the Browns. Uh, we played discipline on the road, and we kept our cool. There, uh, obviously, uh, Vaccaro was uh, attacked, and I think it would be easy for uh, any of these guys to, to let that get to them, and they didn't. These guys came up, and they were at work, and I was just super impressed. I can't let you guys know enough how loud it was in the first half on third down uh, when uh, the Titans offense was on the field. Uh, to kind of gain that composure, hey, had, had to call a timeout. Uh, they, they did jump all sides uh, a time or two. Kept the composure, stayed there. Uh, just the body language of Mariota, his uh, willingness to fall 
not even just to um, avoid a turnover, to avoid injury. Uh, I just feel like we saw something different from him today. Now, he did a few things that, that scared us, and, of course, no one's going to play a perfect game. But we're going to talk about individual performances a little later, but I think a big part of it was just the professionalism and the discipline and the preparation. Agreed. Um, I mean, you know, like you mentioned, Marcus didn't he, he didn't take a lot of big hits. He had four sacks. He got sacked, sacked four times. Um, but each of those sacks, he knew it was coming. He went to the ground. He fell. Yeah, he just fell he, he proactively. Fell. Like, he didn't wait until he get And that is something we haven't seen from him before. Yep. Covered the ball. You know, he was going to make sure that if, if you know, if something was going to happen, it wasn't going to be him turning the ball over. And, you know, that's all we can ask for uh, for Marcus and from Marcus. And he did an excellent job of that today. And that is where I see the continuous improvement from him. You know, he's done it on the field. And, you know, we've seen him get develop into a better passer or, you know, a little bit smarter with the running the ball. But this whole thing today that I saw, the maturation of Marcus – and acknowledging when he's going to get sacked, protecting the ball, and also protecting his body. That's huge to me. So we've been in Cleveland for since Friday uh, early evening, and we, we've enjoyed the city. Um, I think uh, the average Southerner or average uh, Tennessean doesn't have appreciation for these uh, quote-unquote rust belt cities. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, um, you know, they're no Nashville. Not Pittsburgh. There are things to do, and uh, – um, uh, I'll say, though, uh, we, we did have a good time. We talked to literally hundreds of, uh, of Browns fans, and we uh, talked to every uh, Titans fan that, that we saw wearing our colors to the weekend. And um, I will say, no Browns fans really indicated any worry about this game at all. And it's so strange for a team that's had uh, the sort of sorted history that they've had. And, yeah, I mean, they look good down the stretch at times, but they finished 7-8-1. They had an opportunity to beat their big rivals in the last three weeks uh, and didn't. And so I wanted to see them prove it. They were uh, they were favorites. We were five-and-a-half-point dogs. I felt like we were going to have to make up a touchdown, and we obviously did, and then some. Uh, but uh, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how they react from being just national darlings. I felt like their offensive line uh, had a lot of questions, and, and as time went on, both lines – uh, sort of wore down and just like the lack of discipline play and, and, and all that. But uh, it is a talented team. There's no question. But what was interesting to me is the fan base, um, those guys were surprised. It was really strange to, for a fan base to have been through what they've been through um, to just not even really consider that this was nothing but a warm-up and a victory lap. It's like they thought it was Alabama playing Western Carolina or something. And uh, I know that our team has a lot of character and John and I, this morning as we were preparing to walk down, it was like Delaney Walker has come back through a really arduous process, 34 years old. He's done this to be here. If he if he steps on this field and the other guys that step on that field with him are not ready to play and if they come out flat, there's a problem. And they didn't. And there's a lot to play for and there's a lot of leadership. And you know what? It did not go just right right off the bat. Now, they never did anything so dumb that we got behind. And that would have changed the dynamic. We were able to stick to a run game because we weren't playing from behind. But I, we did – I know when we were up at halftime, this is a third and fourth quarter team. Now, if we can be competitive getting there, I like our chances. I mean, that that's just our, our recent history. So, for me, just the fact that we just hung in there and did that, super impressive. And I, I will tell you guys, it came to a shock of everybody in that stadium wearing brown. Definitely big shock to them. 
and there was a moment in the in the game where you can literally feel the tides turn. I, I, uh, one thing I will give to Cleveland, it's one hell of a game day experience. I mean, they do a lot of things right from from their video graphics, from the noise in the stadium, uh, from their chants, the whole the whole nine. And if I have one wish for Nashville. Is that we develop a fan base like this, and we do things the right way, and we're in games and celebrating. I mean, honestly, you know, I had regular stadium food that was better than any of our stadium food, period. And, and you know, their drumline killed it. Ours, questionable. Um, I mean, it, it just, this storied franchise, you know, they've had a lot of ups and downs. A lot of downs, actually. But they just nailed it on game day. But um, for how Nathan talked about how loud they were on third down, there was a big turn and you can feel the whole momentum just change and you know that's where we have to keep our composure we have to follow the game plan not get too ahead of ourselves and we did that perfectly big fella if you had to deduce what were the two or three things that led to victory i know we all watched it but just kind of um taking a, a step back kind of in the abstract we knew what was going to get us beat the biggest worries for all titans fan were you know, we were going to be down two starters in the offensive line. We know the names on that Browns defensive line. We were worried about that. But we've seen Dennis Kelly and other folks kind of chip it together and make it work. We felt like, although you never know, we felt like Jack Conklin was back to being Jack Con- Conklin, at least that's what it's looked all summer. Uh, we were worried about that. And uh, obviously we, we want Mario to come out and be consistent and give, him, give us a chance to be in the game in the second half. That was our biggest concerns going in. What what led to this 30-point drought, if you could deduce it to two or three things? I think the biggest thing is opportunity and, um, and discipline. The Browns had two, 18 penalties, I believe it was, for 182 yards. That is huge. And there were so many crucial plays where they just made stupid mistakes. They had players ejected for kicking our players in the head and you know roughing the passer. I mean, it was a lot of egregious penalties and that really really sunk them and I think that is one thing that you know has to be accounted for you know we played discipline football had minimal penalty minimal penalties um, and even when, I think at one point I looked up we had four penalties for 23 yards which okay they're those are just like you know false starts when we're pinned inside our own inside our own uh, our own red zone um, so we played really smart football they did not. That's one of the biggest keys. The other was Marcus, for the first time, he wasn't forcing balls. He was taking what the defense was giving him. He was looking at everybody. And, you know, he really just had a good rhythm out there. We, we, we had an effective game plan. We scripted it, I'm sure of it. Um, and it worked out perfectly. There were some throws he missed, of course, but he did exactly what we need him to do. Marcus uh, scared me. Uh, and when was that, the into the second when he did that no-look pass, which could have been a pick six. Pick six. Yes, he overthrew Corey Davis in the first half as well. Corey Davis finished with no catches. We're going to talk about him. Um, he, by no means, uh, played a poor game. Um, Denzel Ward, if you just look at today and the takeaways for the Browns, he was the best Brown today. There's just no question. I've watched a lot of football. Uh, he was excellent. And uh, I'm not making excuses for Corey uh, Davis, but I'll say – if it, he locked up that guy, he had to follow him around all day, and that really opened up the field. Yeah, I want to see him make that catch, but uh, I think uh, I think Marcus just overthrew him, but it did stretch the field. 
not to be an apologist, but I, we're going to see a lot out of Corey Davis. He's ready to go in just pregame, uh, even in uh, uh, even on another field. I mean, the guy just absolutely looks the part. We're going to see more from him. He did his contribution today, just did not line up on the stat sheet. You mentioned earlier, kind of, you can feel the tide turn, and there were a lot of moments there. Uh, and even in the first half, this team, uh, the, the Browns just really felt like it was a matter of time before Odell Beckham Jr. and, and uh, Mayfield got together uh, and started connecting, uh, you know, down the field. And it was just a matter of time before Garrett got uh, through to this uh, weekend offensive line. Never happened. For me, I felt the big excel, the kind of the, the breaking of, uh, of the will of the fan base and the team on the field. When Byard got his interception. Definitely. That was a huge, huge turning point because, you know, before that, you know, Baker Mayfield was having, was having a pretty efficient day. I mean, he was throwing it all over, and, you know, Byard coming up with that pick, that was a moment that it was like, okay, show it to us, Baker. And, you know, he didn't do it. Obviously, just an incredible experience uh, for a Titans fan today. Just so many different things to talk about, but that's kind of our general things, how we looked and uh, what it looked like and felt like uh, there in the stadium today. Lando. What up, John? How it, about it, Lando? I mean, just how, just give, give us kind of what your reaction is like. Were you just freaking out watching the TV? Well, it didn't even feel real. Mayfield sure. had that touchdown to make it 15-13 or whatever it was. He completed 11 passes in a row, and we hadn't really done anything. I was worried. Then the first play, Henry has a long touchdown. Then he throws two. Baker throws two interceptions. We have two more touchdowns, and then we pick six of them. And so it went from okay, this is getting a little close to it. Didn't even feel real how we were just dominating. Man, Landon, I'll tell you what. Both Nathan and I, we were nervous at quite a few times in that game. Not not for the on the field product, but in the stands. They are, help if I would use. They the are line. crazy. Yeah. On Butler's pick six, someone threw a beer at him <laughs> when he jumped into when he jumped on the stand. We were on that. What's funny is we were right there. Yeah, we were we right there. Like, he, we were right there when he walked in. Nice. Uh, Landon is not with us on this trip, but uh, it's we've missed him throughout uh, the whole time. We went to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We did all sorts of stuff. But I will say, selfishly, John, it was amazing to have John back at like Central Command texting us everything like what the call was who was that so first of all Landon thanks for being the Adam Schefter of, of Tennessee Titans thought your biggest key to victory today for the Titans I think it was just the veteran leadership the experience and the confidence this team has because at the end of the day what sunk Cleveland was they were undisciplined because Greg Robinson kicked Kenny Vaccaro in the face he got thrown out that their backup left tackle got hurt and that just led to us getting a lot more pressure on Mayfield, which pretty much threw, threw away the game for the Browns. And and but in the first half, when things were so close, on our touchdown drive, we had a couple first downs from defensive penalties that were just stupid. Like, Miles Garrett and Walker were getting to it one time, and Garrett just whacked him across the face. And it was just, this team is so has so many veterans that have been there and know what to do that they just stayed. They just kept their cool, and Cleveland just started to get lost in their emotions. To me, the biggest key of the game was the veteran leadership and the experience we had because this team kept its cool throughout the whole game, even when Cleveland started to break down. Greg Robinson obviously kicked Vicaro in the face. He got thrown out. 
which sabotaged their offensive line, which allowed the defense to get more pressure, which ended up throwing away the game for Cleveland. And in the half win, the offense was starting to get going, trying to find its groove. The touchdown drive, we had several first downs off of penalties because the defense could defense kept making stupid mistakes. And the Titans didn't really have any of that today. When the Browns were emotional and undisciplined, the Titans were cool, calm, and collected. If you had a game ball, big fella, so uh, when you have a team that goes on the road and wins about 30, you have one game ball. Who do you give it to, big fella? You know, there are a lot of different candidates that I think we could give it to, but I personally would give it to Arthur Smith. Everything he's brought to this team today, it, it goes completely unnoticed until we all see this product on the field and how well it can work. And, you know, he's a former tight ends coach. He got Delaney Walker involved a lot. I think that was really great. If I were going on an actual performance on the field, I would go Walker. But I think Arthur Smith, he deserves all the credit for today, or at least a lot of it. Players win games, but like we mentioned earlier, when everybody does what extremely well, you got to point to the guys leading this team uh, from a coaching staff standpoint. Right, Lance? Yeah, I would agree because – Throughout the whole entire process, offense, defense, special teams, you could just see the effect the coaching had because this team played really disciplined today. So, Lane, if you have one game ball. I would probably give it to Derek Henry because he was the rock on offense today. In the first half when things were a bit rough, he had a lot of carries. He just kept pounding it even though he only got maybe three yards of carry. He had our first touchdown. And then he had the long screen pass that broke the game open that just started to put away the Browns, so he kept us in it when things were tight, and he just broke open the game to where we could go to the blowout. So if you look at the first half and you, and you look at the box score for Henry, uh, nothing's going to jump out to you, but tough dogs uh, credit this team for not getting behind so they could stick with the running game because the moment the Browns got in the game, that's when we started picking them off, and that's when Cameron Wake just sort of just uh, just annihilated that, that line in the fourth quarter, right? Uh, Derek Henry is one of those guys you'll look at his stats, oh, fine, good, but he absolutely wore them down, got a chance to wear, wear these guys down, and it was uh, integral to, to what we did. So uh, a- excellent choice there. Let's talk about Mariota, guys. Let's talk about a guy's three touchdowns, no interceptions, only has to throw 24 passes. He made a few mistakes landing that no-look pass. Uh, that could have been a pick six. Obviously, overthrows Davis. But I feel like if they went back down and tried that again, I felt like they could have completed that. He did stretch the field uh, just even then. The play calling, I felt like, was uh, not desperate, not gimmicky, but not overly conservative. Uh, you, your just initial reaction. I think we mentioned earlier, he, he nailed it. He, he didn't. He took what he, he was offered on defense. You know, he made, he made the most of every opportunity. He hit his receivers when they're open. He didn't force the ball into – double coverage or to, to receivers who weren't in a good position. Like you said, the no-look pass terrified me. Um, uh, we talked about it earlier. Um, his progression and learning to take a sack when he's going to get sacked and, and protect the ball, protect himself, I thought that was huge. So, honestly, Marcus, outside of the, that no-look pass and the, the pass that was too high for Davis, although I think, like you mentioned during the game, if we went back to that a second time, I think they would have connected. Uh, in that same play, but I, I think he played as perfect of a game as we, we could have asked for today for this specific game plan. This whole weekend, there was so much passive-aggressive fun-making by Cleveland. 
uh, fans of Marcus and how we heard more than once they were uh, they were more worried about Ryan Tannehill. Walking into the stadium, we had this guy was uh, just talking about uh, just uh, everything you could think negative about um, Mariota. The guy gets no respect nationally. We all know he's been inconsistent. We all know he has things to prove. Uh, this is a guy that's won a playoff game. This is a guy that has had his moments today. Uh, Landon, just just your analysis on w- what we saw from from number eight today. It was just the first time in a while. Obviously, last season with his injuries, he was a he wasn't his usual self. This was the first time in a while that I thought he looked really comfortable, experienced, capable, ready. Because, like John said, he was efficient. He just took what he could. He didn't do anything stupid. He took he took his sacks with grace. He had two roughing the passer penalties called on him. Yep. And on those hits, he absorbed the contact pretty well, so nothing dangerous. And that's this was one of the quietest three touchdown performances I've seen out of a quarterback just because he just made the right throw at the right time. Like we said when we talked about Arthur Smith, the play call and the play design was perfect for the opportunity and Mario to execute it. So if I've got a game ball, it's going to go to Delaney Walker. But um, you could give a game ball to anybody except on that field today. We didn't – we – nobody got carried today. And it's not hyperbole to say that. Uh, every defensive back, <laughs> except on our field, especially our starters and stars back there, from Bayard to uh, Ryan, uh, who who I you know got burned. Uh, Jarvis Landry is an excellent player uh, he, from a slot standpoint, and he played. And so Ryan had a tough task, and he was there when it mattered. And is as good of a tackler as always. But Delaney Walker, what he's went through, what he came back from, two touchdown passes today. They. You know, John and I talked a lot. Um, obviously, for who's running our offense now, we're going to see a lot of looks from a tight end, and I think it's I think it's excellent. I just loved the heart that it showed. This guy has been the backbone and soul of our team. We've talked a lot about how before this recent three-season run, you would go to a Titans game, and they had five NFL players that could play for anybody. And it was Darrell Casey and Delaney Walker laying out in their primes and now we see on the other side with this guy battles back, gets injured in the weirdest Titans game ever uh, to open last season. Battles all the way back, comes back, scores two touchdowns on the road, and then perfectly says what we all thought. Cleveland was basically crowned, right? But you got to be more than just read your own clippings. You got to be more than just uh, be good on paper. You got to go and you got to earn it. And so to me, this was the Delaney Walker comeback game. This is where this whole team took on his persona and so my game ball to walker beyond that fellas uh start with you john your thoughts on walker tonight he was incredible i mean like you mentioned battling back through his injury from last year you know being almost a full entire year 364 days to the to the day that he since he's played an actual football game he made the most of his opportunities and he just was not afraid to go across the middle he was not showing any type of hesitation at all. Um, and, you know, he just made the most of his opportunities. He was in the right spot. And, he, you know, the great thing about Delaney today is we were able to see what was missing last year, that trust between him and Marcus, and that's back. And that does – that bodes so well for Marcus because he needs that government. He needs to have somebody he can trust in pretty much any situation. And it was such a relief to see them – connect so well and pick up right where they left off. 
So, Landon, uh, you, you had a different vantage point of being able to kind of see replays and, and, and see more things today. Give us some specifics uh, of what you saw from, from Delaney today. Well, I just – I remember texting you guys throughout the game. Unless it's – unless we're throwing to Walker short, we need – we should only go deep if we're passing because this was a day of a few big plays. A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry had big catches. And then Delaney Walker consistently had – eight to 16 yards where he makes the catch and gets the first down. And it was just that consistency. And every time Mariota rolled out and he threw to Walker, you just knew that Walker was going to make the catch because they have that connection. It was also, it was really good to see just how, how recovered Walker is from his injury. Obviously it was a terrible injury. He's had so much time to recover, but he looked really close to what he was when he was in his prime with us, obviously. He's not quite that guy, but he looked great. He looked fluid. He looked confident. And he looked like that same guy where he's a Pro Bowl-level tight end. Yeah, I don't think it's Homer uh, to say that the guy looks vintage to Delaney Walker. When he scores two touchdowns on the road, I had faith that he was going to do well because Cleveland, for all the marks that they get, their offensive line had questions for me. And they did not defend tight ends well last year. And so I thought that would be an opportunity for us, and uh, I'm not the only one because they went uh, – I think he had seven targets. So um, so we talked about Henry, obviously uh, a very solid uh, game from him. Uh, carried the workload, though, kept us on uh, point offensively. Uh, let's talk about that play. We talk about turning points. I think uh, the interceptions in the fourth quarter were huge. Uh, all the penalties – that, that Cleveland really, that was a big turning point, that they just uh, they just kept giving us first downs. That Henry touchdown run, we know his penchant for big plays. Big uh, narrative in this offseason was what Henry are we going to see? Is there going to be a continuation of the last quarter of his season? Now, he didn't he didn't break off for 99 yards, but what he did, and Landon, you can tell us your uh, kind of viewpoint uh, on that play in particular. Screen, excellent block by Saffold. It looked like he was almost in slow motion. I thought he was coming over and get tackled, but once he got rolling, there was obviously nobody that could catch him in that defensive backfield. Uh, I know we saw on ESPN he was going, what, more than 21 miles an hour when he reached top speed on the play. So sort of break down what you saw on that play. So Marietta faked a throw to the right, then he threw back to the left, and either Dennis Kelly or Ben Jones stuck down really low to avoid the pass. And that was the first thing I noticed that looked really weird. I thought the play was going to get blown up because – one of the offensive linemen was going to be out of position. And then he went and he got about 10 yards, and it looked like a normal screen pass where he's got a bit of room, but the defense is starting to converge. Then he just kept kind of tell that he was accelerating. But like you said, he just moves so mechanically that's hard to tell he's going so fast. He just kept going faster and faster, and the defense just got left behind. It was like the defense was in slow motion. He just went right past him. And the downfield blocking at the end to seal it was so good. Corey Davis had zero catches today, but he still had a major impact with his with his blocking. We forget for how big Derrick Henry is when he gets going, he really gets going. There is no question, uh, John. Yeah, I think you know, like you said, when he gets going, he gets going. And when you know, it may not have been 99 yards, but it was 75. And you know, when he was running downfield, you better believe. I was transported back immediately to that game, 99-yard run. I was like, Nathan, go get some hot chocolate, buddy. You know, this is perfect. And he was just running. You should have heard the Cleveland fans. I'm sure you probably did watching the game, but they were all all freaking out. 
And they're like, oh, block in the back and this and that. But it was an incredible play, and it was the perfect play call, and it worked perfectly. Screens are really hard, especially in the NFL, because you have these fast guys, and they're bringing everybody, and you have to kind of let them through for a minute. So they are so hard to pull off, especially in the NFL. So it was just fantastic. Yeah, when you talk about a guy that big that gets going, I know people in the NFL, players are not super intimidated, but just the fact that he can get that kind of momentum at that size. I mean, he's got to be intimidating when he's in full speed to, to rap, right? So just just kind of an incredible weapon when, when we get him in space. And uh, the way it developed was super interesting. It looked like that play was going to be over before it started, and then he just never stopped. I've been waiting this whole podcast to talk about A.J. Brown. I got, I've got an A.J. Brown we ran into some awesome fans today, some true uh, some true Titans fans from all over uh, the country. We ran into an amazing guy from Mexico and his wife who've been 33 Titans games. Just some incredible people. You know, I've got so much love for the A.J. Brown jersey. We are not the only people, the folks that listen to this podcast and three of us. They're just super to have A.J. Brown when we got him and just really pumped. He fit right into this offensive scheme. He was just what the doctor ordered, I would say. Right, Lance? Oh, yes. Like, like with Henry in the first half, A.J. Brown did all of his damage early. He had two huge catch-and-run set, set up scoring drives for us. And he really showed off that run-after-the-catch ability that he had in college, especially on his second catch because he catches it 20 yards downfield. He breaks the tackle. He stiff-arms the guy, jukes the safety, cuts back, makes a couple other guys miss. And so he gets an extra 25 yards just on his own. So, John, we talked about after cutting Taewon Taylor, and we know he wasn't going to have – although he, he's played a lot for us uh, in the previous two seasons. We wondered about who's going to take that top off the defense, who, who can stretch the field. And we know Corey Davis is, is super talented, but he's just sort of our kind of go-to guy. Like, who is, who's going to be that burner? And my point was, yeah, I think A.J. Brown, as big as he is, as so good as he is, I, and he plays some slot. This guy – uh, has the ability, and we saw that on that 51-yard reception, uh, he, he has the ability to, to stretch the field for us. Yeah, he, he sure does. And, you know, it's really funny that you mentioned Taewon Taylor because apparently he had the keys to our offense. I, I don't even think I saw him on the field for the Browns. So I just want everybody to, to, to take a step back and who was freaking out that we traded him and this and that and the other thing. And we are fine. And clearly he couldn't pick up the Cleveland playbook. I don't know if he had any plays special teams. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, AJ Brown is every bit of, of the guy that we were looking for. And Landon, like you said, I mean, just his ability and his footwork to run to get those extra yards on a little juke. That that juke doesn't work for anybody, but he was able to get an extra extra couple yards just standing right there in front of somebody's face. Uh, I, I think. I think he's just an incredible player. I wasn't high on him, as high on him as Nathan was when it came draft time, but, man, he looked good. Um, so I, I'm really excited about what he can bring to this team. Uh, before today, I was convinced it was going to be Khalif Raymond, and, you know, he was waived, and hopefully we'll see him back on the practice squad. I don't know if that's – but, yeah, I mean, A.J. Brown, he's got the Jets. So it's interesting. Um, when you think about our receivers as a whole um, – Brown only had three catches, but for 100 yards. It's tough for a guy who misses the first 11 days of training camp uh, as a rookie, especially at that position, to make a contribution in, in week one. 
And besides his obvious talent, and besides what looks like real chemistry between he and, and Mariota, uh, I credit the, the game plan and the scheme and how prepared Mariota was. Because, for instance, the Browns uh, and Baker Mayfield targeted Odell Beckham Jr. 11 times. Now, I felt like they forced the ball to him. I don't think he was explosive as he normally is. He's complained about some hip issues. Yeah, he had seven catches, but we were always behind him. I'm worried about him going over the top approach from a passing game standpoint. Marcus made his checkdowns. He did not hold the ball as long as Baker. I know Baker had two towards the end of the game. He's trying to make something happen when they were down. That's a recipe for disaster, as we saw. But Marcus made his read and found the open man. And that was often A.J. Brown uh, and Delaney Walker. It was to the detriment of Adam Humphreys and Corey Davis. But that doesn't mean those guys didn't have their impact and we won't see them down the line. I really like the fact we made our checkdowns and we were not targeting guys. Uh, we weren't forcing the ball. We've done that. Uh, we've had to do that in the past with Corey Davis. I love the depth of this unit. Uh, Landon talked a little bit about how, yeah, Corey Davis didn't have a catch. His blocking and just uh, the idea that he took up who I think was their best player today, Denzel Ward. I know it sounds super homer to congratulate Corey Davis when he's not on the stat sheet, but if you watch that game, Corey Davis uh, really had a big part, right? Oh, yeah. And first of all, I think he should have had one catch. Mario to miss a bit of an intermediate pass. It was just a little bit too high. But like I said earlier on Henry's touchdown reception, Corey Davis's blocking was so good throughout the whole day on everything. Run plays, the short stuff where it's run after catch, long, the long touchdown. And even on the even on the big passes to A.J. Brown, he was out there as another body, another blocker. Just the heart and the will to throw yourself out there, be a blocker even when you don't get any catches because as we've seen with this guy named Antonio Brown, some of these receivers really like to get their stats. And Corey Davis only got targeted three times. He was drafted fifth or all. He's our best receiver. He had zero catches. He's only thrown to three times. But he still put his head down, put his work in, and just have one of the best blocking games he's had. And that's saying something. You know, like you meant, like you just mentioned, drafted really high. Nothing on the stat sheet that you know for today. But I bet you he is celebrating with his team right now as hard as anybody is because they are buying into this whole team concept. And Corey realizes that being a pretty high draft pick as a receiver doesn't always mean catches and touchdowns. Yeah, it's what we predominantly think about, but we use him as a blocker as much as we need him, as much as we need him as a pass catcher. So, excellent points by you. If we can't find and, uh, a way to get a man that talented to catches, you know, this season, we have a big problem. He was going against a guy who I think is going to turn out to be this year one of one of the five or so. Uh, best cover corners uh, in this league. I think we're going to see Denzel Ward take a bunch based on what I saw today. But what an asset is it to have this guy? Because their number one receiver, for instance, Beckham Jr. and a lot of other number one receivers, like you mentioned, Antonio Brown, you can't get away with that. You have to force stuff their way, which is usually a recipe for disaster. We have a guy that can we know can win games, can catch that final pass. Uh, we know the guy that can get in the end zone, get a first down. And, but he doesn't have the ego where we where it's like we win, but we have a problem. You could say that about every single person on this team. I don't know of too many morses where I've seen uh, 53 guys, 46 guys, as it were, just really be on the exact same page. So, obviously, we love the team. 
aspect. Uh, we we, we want to see that, and I don't I don't know if we have a better Exhibit A um, in, in my assessment to see guys just come up and get a job done all together, right, Lance? Yeah, and like you said with Denzel Ward, as a rookie, he he held his own against Antonio Brown and was really good before Antonio Brown went completely crazy and was still the best receiver. Davis, who I think could be really good, isn't Antonio Brown, so just him pulling Denzel Ward away from any ball hawking opportunities and just getting AJ Brown open area, that's that's an asset in of itself, even though it's, it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. I know it was only 60 minutes, but um, I got I came away with uh, a lot of credibility for our, our play calling uh, offensively, and I think we're going to see really creative ways to get Humphreys and, uh, and Davis uh, in space, uh, hopefully, uh, on Sunday uh, against the Colts. I think another thing, too, that uh, we didn't hit on is Johnny Smith. We got him active in the running game. So, I mean, like you mentioned, I think there's a lot more for this offense. Taewon Taylor's keys or whatever you want to call them. Uh, but this, this baby's about to get unlocked, and, and I think we're about to see some incredible things. Guys, what about the performance of this offensive line? And uh, I think coaching staff had them prepared, helped them put them in the right position. It just when you look back, my our biggest concern was, I mean, Pamphill didn't dress, right? And obviously, Taylor Lewan is suspended. We were two starting offensive lines down. They have four excellent uh you know, uh, guys on their defensive line, and uh, they didn't have their head in the game. They did us some favors, but just all the credit in the world to Dennis Kelly, Jack Conklin, the rest of those guys that came in and made it happen, right? Um, Landon, just your thought, and you you had a better vantage point on replays. Give us an idea of overall kind of what you saw from our offensive line today. First of all, I would describe the performance as admirable. Like you said, we're missing our Pro Bowl left tackle, and our right guard is out for the game. I thought Jamil Douglas didn't play too bad for a backup thrust into a starting role. Well, just consider the situation he was put in, yeah. And then I will say we looked at first in the first half, we looked a lot better on run plays and pass plays. It wasn't until we started to break their will in the fourth quarter that the pass blocking really stepped up. But in the run game, we were able, even though we only got three, four yards of carry, we were still getting positive yards. We were still owning the line of scrimmage. Dennis Kelly in the run game versus Miles Garrett was getting physical. He was getting up into him. He's going for the throat. And then in the passing game, Kelly's aggressiveness got him flagged a few times because Miles Garrett is just so he's so good of a pass rusher. But coming into this game, the big narrative was this defensive line, these four great pass rushers, they're going to feast on this offensive line. Mario is going to get hurt again and blah, blah, blah. For a line that was missing two starters – going up against the talented defensive front, it played pretty good. And I'll tell you what, you know, and maybe it's me reading in too much to things, and and we're always a second-half team. Everybody knows that. But I think just the stamina of this team, we got better the later the game went. And, you know, that defensive line of the Browns, they got tired towards the end of the game. And I almost wonder if practicing in the heat and, you know, draining yourself physically in, where we are uh, in Tennessee and – the difference between up here, because I'll tell you what, it, this probably felt like I, I've played in hot games, I've played in cold games, and when you prep in hot games, you play a cold game, you feel pretty good, you feel pretty energized, and man, the weather today in that stadium was perfect, and you know, the, the, 
the lake right next to the stadium. It's got a really cool breeze. And I bet those players felt great. So that probably gets you a little extra emphasis as a player, reading a lot into it again, grasping the straws. But I think that also helped too. I think he's just. I think there there is something to be said for that. But it's just a small part of this larger preparation and professionalism that was evident from the very beginning, from not the leaders, not the captains, not the coaching staff, wearing two-tone blue. Definitely. Yeah, every single person. Yeah, we're laying it on pretty thick. But we beat a team by 30 on the road. So, yeah, we're going to lay it on pretty thick. Did they play a perfect game? No, it's like the right girl for you. She's not perfect, but she's perfect for you. I'm telling you, I have – you all know me. I find ways. I, I, I'm simple things. I'm a realist. Uh, they absolutely gave every single fan – everything we could have ever wanted to it's it's today's been the perfect day for your titans fan right Lynn? oh yeah it's so great because doubly so the colts and the jacks both lost today and depending on what houston does tomorrow we could be the only 1-0 team in the division and yeah. we got out of cleveland healthy we didn't have any major injuries we have been a total afterthought nationally in this division we heard um who's that we were listening to land on the uh, i mean excellent point land uh We've got even more to talk about. We we feel like we don't leave anybody out, and we want to cover kind of our thoughts on that. But the offensive line, you said admirable. To me, overall, the most impressive unit of this team uh, was our defensive backfield. A lot of pressure there, a lot of height. Uh, They came through when it mattered in the fourth quarter. But before that, they were just tough, and they stayed behind all these guys. They have weapons. Uh, Njoku. Uh, obviously Landry, Odell Beckham, Jr., uh, Odell Beckham Jr., we hear about him all the time. These guys never just absolutely got behind us. I mean, they – just what it took, like the mental toughness and the preparation that it took. Do you guys agree with me that I think uh, they, they're the most impressive unit overall, Landon? Yeah, I would, I would certainly agree because even though they had several big pass plays, especially that deep shot to Landry, I never really thought that the secondary was getting abused or that it was the problem. No, it's going to happen. It was yeah. Just, yeah, it was just good players were making good plays. What can you do? Right. And, and exactly. obviously, in the fourth quarter, when things mattered most, they got to Mayfield. They got three interceptions. They got a touchdown. And it was just, like you said, the mental fortitude, the toughness, the ability to play for all four quarters. They, play, they played really good today. Yeah, and you know, it's funny – the casual sports fan will look at the box score and be like, oh, Baker completed 25 out of whatever – however many passes he had, 25 out of 40 or whatever it is. And be like, oh, he had his way with the defense with the defense today. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the narrative is so much different. Like you guys said, nobody really got behind us. I can think of that one play that Jarvis Landry caught on the sideline there where we were, that big catch that he got behind Logan Ryan. But outside of that, everything was in front of him. All the tackling wasn't perfect. But today there was a lot of swarming to the ball, which I don't, I don't usually see a whole lot of. But there was never an opportunity or, or a catch that was made where there weren't at least two, three guys immediately to the ball. Dory Jackson, fantastic coverage, not a great tackler. He didn't have to be today because everybody was there. He just has to make sure nobody gets behind him. And if they make a catch, slow him down. And then everybody kind of piles up. That's just what makes this unit so successful and we have a bunch of guys back there that i have a lot of faith and a lot of confidence in and you know 
last year we had, I mean, you know, we brought in Malcolm Butler for the first time. Picaro was here for the first time. Everybody was their first opportunity playing as a team. They come back this season after experiencing everything they did last year, and they are so much better for it. So playing defensive back, I think this level is a lot like about the guy next to you. You, you sort of play as a unit, and I think they're all pulling the same rope. You just mentioned Caro Butler in year two with this team. Yeah, we're going to have ups and downs, but he was, you know, two and a half years ago, this is the absolute weakness of our team. And these guys just absolutely were on the same page together. And it wasn't really play to play. It was just like this scheme that they had, a bunch of tough guys. Butler was pulling weight today. And so they didn't give up on him. He hasn't given up on himself. He's a mentally tough guy. Logan Ryan did let Jarvis Landry get, get behind him just that one time. Jarvis Landry is an underrated player. They didn't – I don't think they went after – I don't think they targeted him enough. Just really impressive overall as a unit. Uh, let's talk about Cameron Wake. We yeah. didn't see this guy a lot this summer. And so we wondered, how many how many stamps will this guy get? This guy was ready. And when they when – they, when Cleveland became one-dimensional, he absolutely ate them alive. And two, uh, he's credited with two and a half sacks. John, you love Cameron Wake. You've been excited. I know it's just like he's exactly what we needed at that right time. It, it, you know, we have other good players. Landry played well. Cameron Wake looks like exactly sneeze. And I think we're going to see him a lot in the fourth quarter, a lot in the second throughout the season if he can stay healthy. Just your overall thoughts on seeing him wearing two-tone blue and just uh, just his effort today. His effort was incredible. He wasn't on the field for a whole lot of plays. But when he did, you better believe Cleveland, they, they noticed. Uh, like you said, two and a half. He, he was credited with two and a half sacks. But as we were talking throughout the game, there were so many times where our rushers were, they were getting home. And, and you know, Baker got the ball off. But there were so many pressures. Um, Landry, he started off pretty rough. I was really worried about him early. But he rebounded quite nicely. Um, I think he was credited with that other that, that half a sack of Cam Wake's, but he they he played really well too. Um, but yeah, Cam Wake, I've been excited uh, I, I, for him as a player for a real long time, and I've mentioned in other podcasts that I wish we got him in his prime today. He may not be in his prime, but he was primed and ready to go. As good as Cam Wake played, you know, we had a whole defense that played pretty well today. Um, Landon, I want to ask you a question real quick. It's really so. Linebackers, they're always really, really particular. It's hard hard to get a really good grip of where they are when you're watching the game, especially if we were low in the stadium today. Tell me about, about Jayon Brown or Rashawn Evans because, you know, we didn't really get to see a lot of them from where our vantage point was. What did it look like on tape? What did, what did it look like from the broadcast? Uh, I mean, clearly they had a decent game, but, but tell us your take on it. Well, Jayon Brown didn't really pop in the stat sheet that much. Two total tackles, two passes defense. But what I saw was just he was always around the ball. He was always just an intimidating force, a, a place where the offensive player couldn't go. He was always hurting the guy and his teammates. He was always there on the gang tackles. He helped bring guys down. On the first play of the game, he was the guy that deflected the pass that Dory Jackson should have picked off. It was yep. a great athletic yeah. play. He just stretched out and he tipped it. And it was yeah. just... In pass coverage, he was, I didn't really think he was the issue whenever they did get completions in the middle. Like you said, he kept the guys in front. He swarmed to the ball. He swarmed to the ball, herded them towards other defenders. It was just – it was a very 
it was a quiet yet impactful game because he didn't he himself didn't make a ton of plays on the ball, but just his leadership and the way he was able to direct his teammates to the ball really slowed down this Cleveland Browns offense. Yeah, I think his athletic presence, even though um, uh, you know sack or attack on that play, he just kind of stretches guys out, and so that's a perfect example on that on that near interception on the first uh, play from scrimmage. Uh, of the game. It's just a really good example to have a guy like that. We don't have it to sort, but had a lot of guys that are just, just really good athletes, and he's like the consummate role player on our defense just, just for that reason. So, obviously, today at this game, uh, it, it, it was wild. They, John, John mentioned earlier, like, the game day experience. I mean, Northern Ohio created football. And, and you get a sense of that. We were at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and it was amazing to see all the Kevin Mawai stuff. And uh, it, we saw, you know, Derrick Henry's jersey from that 99-yard run. That's currently on exhibit. Rob Baronis's, uh cleats uh, from his eight-field goal game. And we just, you know, obviously the uh, the Rich Oller's history was, was there. You forgot the random picture of our offensive line in above a locker. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we're – not treated like um, some of the other teams, but there, there is our stamp is is there in Canton, and I and I hopefully it, it'll it'll continue to grow. But Cleveland definitely serious about their football today. It was just a unique experience, as John has explained. And uh, we, John, uh, we call him the big fella for a reason. He's a big guy. He looks like he could go down there and be activated from the practice squad and and uh, and play. And, and that's good because it, it really was uh, sort of intimidating at times. And uh, a lot of the stereotypes are true, uh, a lot of drinking, uh, a lot of intensity. They, like we said, we talked to lots and lots of fans all weekend. A very educated fan uh, from a football standpoint. They really know their stuff. But I just think the idea of all these years of losing, uh, a bit chippy. Um, but I will say this. The ones that were left at the end of that game, when we walked down, we were only about 14 rows up, so it felt like they were on top of us all game. The guys that suck said, hey, Rabel was ready. He had the guys ready. We wish we had a head coach like that. Um, you don't make a coaching career in a game, but I will say this. As of right now, it looks like uh, he is going to be a decided advantage uh, for us in a league of good coaches. And just uh, him, uh, Arthur Smith does not look token anymore. It looks like uh, the time trap for him. I'm not saying that we're not going to have ups and downs. I think we have a leader. I think we have a really professional guy. And I feel like this team played like the mustachioed man today, and it really makes me very excited uh, about this wide-open division and about just the character of our team, uh, Big Phil. Yeah, but Marcus, if you're listening, don't grow your mustache. I, I, I prefer Rabel's over yours, and, you know, I, I just don't want to change what we did today. So so keep, keep slinging passes, keep shaving, do what you got to do. But, yeah, you know, Nathan, you're – you're 100% correct. And honestly, credit to J-Rob. The first to tell you, I was not excited about Mike Rabel. I wanted a, a, an offensive guy uh, that can really dazzle, but Vrabel is he's, he's worth his weight in gold. He's proven that, and especially today. And Arthur Smith, I mean, we saw, we saw Arthur Smith down on the field before the game with his family. He is a good guy, and he is confident in his ability, and you know, I mean, you don't invite your entire family uh, to Cleveland if, you, if you're not ready to do it. 
Um, but, you know, it's an exciting day for him. First day as an offensive coordinator, he draws up a perfect game plan. I just think all around, you know, uh, our, our team, we just nailed it. They're not all going to be like this, and uh, it's a long season. We know that. We're going to give it to you straight, but I'll say it is great to start it off like this, one of the great days uh, in Titans history. Um, you know, there have been a lot of great ones, but it just feels really good to just be absolutely overlooked and to come in and do your job. Landon, any final thoughts for you on this game? I just really like that. It was There was nothing fluky about it. It was just a solid, decisive win. We dominated them in every aspect of the game. There is no, we just got several lucky TDs and they just missed things. We are just better in every way today. And that feels really good. We just really appreciate everybody listening. I know you guys are just as excited as we are. Uh, we mentioned the fans that we met. Uh, the Titans do not have the size of fan base as, as most of the other teams, especially these signature teams that have been around forever. But uh, intense and loyal a fan base. We met people that are holdovers from Houston to travel to these games. Uh, we met uh, folks from St. Louis. We met a lot of people from Nashville. And, um, you know, we represented ourselves well today. We've got a really good fan base, a growing fan base. I don't care how many we have. I don't care that uh, we've just been playing in Nashville for uh, just over 20 years. Uh, I'm really proud to be a Titans fan. Met a lot of classy folks today from uh, Mexico and Fort Lauderdale and D.C., St. Louis, California, and everywhere in between. So I just want to tell everybody, you know, be be proud to be a Titans fan uh, on many levels. And let's just don't be afraid to just enjoy this for the next couple days, and we'll come back to you. And we're going to do one of our favorite things. Uh, we're going to talk about Colts, and we're going to talk about more Titans football. Before that, just a shout-out to all you Browns fans that were classy and, you know, really respectful of us being your stadium. We appreciate it. Also, shout-out to the coolest Uber driver, Timothy, who pretty much gave us an entire tour of Ohio. And also, shout-out to the brothers, Mitch and Jesse, for showing us an awesome time at the Hall of Fame. They were just a few of the the incredible Browns fans that we met this weekend. And, you know, it, it, it's fans like that, that that really class up your organization. Um, and, you know, like like Nathan said, there are a lot of people doing the heckling and stuff and, you know, people coming up to us tell, telling us we should be embarrassed to wear our jerseys and, you know, all sorts of stereotypical things associated with living in the South and this and that and the other thing. But out of the 50,000, 60,000 Browns fans, some of the ones that we talked to were just top-notch all time. And thank you to you guys because it was really a fun experience for us. Yeah, we've got at least as many good lucks as we did uh, some of the stereotypical things that you can just imagine. So all in all, Cleveland's got a really good famous. We all respect them for uh, just being as big fans as they are for what they've been through. And, yeah, some, some, some folks are tacky. And uh, not really great to start drinking at 6 a.m. Uh, and several of them were. <laughs> But I'm proud of our fan base and uh, really made some some great memories with some great Cleveland Browns fans. And, guys, we'll just pick it up with Indianapolis. We'll talk to you later on this week. Landon, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.